Welcome to our Through the Bible study here on Bible In-Depth Network with Alex. In our study, we look at the context of Scripture and how it applies to our daily lives. We also believe that there's no limitation to the revelation of the Word God. Let's study together today. Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has met. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. And uh, we are handling the book of Matthew. And uh, we did uh, part of the second chapter yesterday. And today I want us to continue with uh, from where we stopped uh, yesterday. We stopped at, we're getting to verse 4. And uh, at this point we were looking at the fact that the Magi, some call them the wise men, uh, had reached Jerusalem. And there was panic yeah, there was uh, some trouble that had been caused by their presence because we looked at the fact that when they come, they come with pomp. Yeah, they arrive in style and uh, they have an entourage that comes with them. So it's not just an any arrival that does not cause alarm. Yeah, so we looked at uh, verse 3, seeing that Herod hears of their coming and he's troubled by it and also all Jerusalem with it, of course, the rest of the people in Jerusalem are troubled by it, are anticipating what is going to happen. Remember, they've just gone through phases of conquests and captivities with Assyria, with Persia, with Greece, with the Greeks and with the, the Romans now who are in charge. And they are now wondering, could this be our time to get back into the reins of being the superpowers? So, there's a lot of trouble going on. There's a lot of questions going on at this time by the arrival of these Magi who come from the East, whom we looked at uh, yesterday that these are also known uh, or could be called astrologers, people who would study and see the issues of the sky. They look at stars. They tell. And from what they had seen, this star that had come out showed or represented the birth of a king. Yeah, and that is what they've come to see. Verse 4, gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, Herod inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. Now, Herod does not take it lightly because uh, he knows that if they're talking about the birth of a Messiah or the birth of a king, then it threatens him directly as a person who is running affairs in Jerusalem. So, Herod... Uh, decides to gather the chief priests, the scribes, to inquire. Yeah? Where is this child that they're talking about going to be born? The chief priests, uh, when uh, we read through the history of Je- Je- Josephus, one of the greatest historians that has recorded events of Israel and how uh, things panned out in Israel, uh, he shows that in this period, this title applied to the aristocratic priests in general, yeah, who were in Jerusalem. And uh, this class of people was mostly the Sadducees. We looked at who the Sadducees were. They were a wealthy class of priests. They are the high class. Yeah, They were the ones who were running affairs specifically with the temple. And uh, of course, the scribes, we looked at them as well. Those were people who were the experts in the Jewish law. And uh, most of them you'll also get to see our teachers of the law, yeah? 
So these are the people that Herod is calling. And he has influence over these people, the chief priests, the scribes. Yeah, he has great influence over these people. Why? Remember earlier in his reign, and we talked about this when we were handling the history of, uh, of Israel. Uh, early in his reign, Herod executed the Sanhedrin, which was a, a governing authority. And uh, he assembled his own council. Yeah, as he wished with people who are uh, loyal to him. So these are the ones he's calling upon, the ones that he had assembled yeah, from to form this new sort of Sanhedrin that he had destroyed when he had just come into leadership. So he calls on them and says, come guys, we need to know what's going on. Yeah, what's happening? There's a lot of talk in town. What is going on? I need to know exactly where is this man going to be born? Where is this Messiah going to be born? Because from what I see, I, fore, I foresee trouble. Yeah, so they say to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. Now they are telling him, this which is happening has been written in our books. In the prophets, they have written this. And they say, and you Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. It had been written. It had been listed down. And they are reading it to him because uh, from Micah, he had mentioned in chapter 5, Micah 5 too, he had predicted uh, Bethlehem as the birthplace of the Messiah. That that is where he was going to be born because uh, he was a descendant of David and Bethlehem had been David's hometown. That is the connection with it. Of course, Bethlehem that they are talking about in this case is not far from Herod. Yeah, it's a small town. It's not very far. He can access it. It's just about six miles south of Herod's capital, which is Jerusalem, where he's reigning. And uh, the Magi have come to Jerusalem because they expect that that is the place that they are going to have the Messiah born. They do not expect yeah, that the Messiah is going to be born in such a small town. So for them, their first uh, area of uh, reach is Jerusalem. They say, let's go to Jerusalem. Let us go and see this king has, that has been born because anyway, kings are born in the great cities. Kings are born in the mighty places. Yeah, And uh, sometimes uh, that is what Life paints to us that for great things to happen in your life, you have to have a glorious position somewhere. You have to be in the biggest city in the world. You have to be in the biggest uh, uh, confines. Here, the Magi are expecting the Messiah to be born in Jerusalem. They're expecting that it is in the rosy place, in the best place of all, that they are going to find the Messiah. But God has his other plans. He gets a small town south, six miles uh, away from Jerusalem. A city that is not known. A city that is called the least of all. Even the tribe that is least of all. From there, that is where he picks the Messiah to be born. And sometimes we shall look at our history. We shall look at where we've come from. We shall look at the families we've come from and say we cannot amount to anything. But greatness can come from a small place. 
Greatness can come from a humble background. Doesn't matter what you look like or what your life looks like or where you work from right now. Greatness can still come out of you because God, if God decides that that is where I'm going to raise my greatness, he will raise it. He's raising a Messiah from a town that they don't expect. They expect it to be Jerusalem. But God says, no, it's Bethlehem. That is where I shall raise the Messiah. And I want us to know that with God, all things are possible. With God, that life that seems so sunken for you can rise up to the best. Yeah, Yes, there are those who have studied better. Yes, there are those who are in better places. There are those who have achieved much more on paper. But God looks beyond Jerusalem and gets down to the lowest of all and raises greatness. That is where God is going to pick you from, from that place that you feel is solo, and he will raise you to a great place. So, this Magi come to Jerusalem expecting that that is where they are going to find uh, the Judean uh, king or this Messiah that has been born. But, of course, at this point, Herod did not have any new sons that he had given birth to at that time, so it could not be Jerusalem. Yeah, And uh, the scribes that he's calling upon, they knew. They knew where the Messiah is going to be born. They did not act on that knowledge. They had the, the records, but they did not act on them. And uh, we see later on, they instead of trying to make use of that information, they were seeking to kill Jesus. Uh, later on. But it's possible to have information and you sit down and it goes past. Can you imagine it's the it's Herod calling them when they were hearing all these rumors going on in the city. They should have been able as the chief priests, as the scribes, as the teachers of the law to sit down and say let's get into um, into the records and read and know about uh, the coming of these Magi, there should be something breeding because they are looking for a king that has been born in our books. They should, it should be there, but they were also sleeping. Yeah, Times can pass when those who are supposed to act are in sleep. That's what these guys want. It's a herald who wakes them up and says, guys, I need to know. And they find it written because Micah had spoken about that. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. He didn't want to make it public. So he calls them in secret. I think he sends his envoys. Yeah. And says, Go and tell those guys I need to see them. And they come and he's trying to know at what time did this uh, star appear? What is the exact time that you saw it? And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me. So that I too may come and worship him. There are people who can speak things, yet they do not mean them. There are people who can speak good, yet they mean harm. Herod here is not speaking rightly. He's lying. He says he should come and worship him. But then what he's actually saying is, let me know so that I come and kill him. Let me know when you found him so that I come and destroy him. There are people who paint a picture that is different. But when their intentions and that which they desire is to destroy, and that is Herod, that is the type of man that we're talking about. He's telling these guys, if you find him, let me know. So that I come and uh, I, I worship him as well. Of course, they've already uh, 
found out the place through the books that it's Bethlehem. So he tells him, you are going to Bethlehem, I know. But when you reach there, you need to let me know so that I too come and worship this king. After hearing the king, they went their way. And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. This is extraordinary. What the scripture here is telling us is this star was moving with them, showing them the direction. And when they go to the place where Jesus had been born, the star stopped to move. That is what we read from in this case. There is lots of debate and discussion about this star. Was it moving? Was it not moving? There is a lot of uh, things that are attached uh, to it. Some say it just appeared to move due to this magi's own movement, that if they're moving, then it will show that it's moving. Yeah, And uh, they say that it was close enough to, to, to them, so they appeared to move and it appeared to move. But it doesn't matter whether it was moving or not. From what we read of, we see here clearly that when they reached the place where the child was, the star stood still. Of course, reading through the history and Israel in the wilderness, the time they were there, there were such supernatural signs because they had that cloud yeah, that would move with them. By the fire and cloud, it was uh, light during the night and the cloud uh, during day that led the Israelites. It was moving with them. So it's, it's nothing impossible that this star also was moving. But whatever discussion it is, it may not matter much. What we know is they were led by a star. And they stand, it, it stands and stops at the point where Jesus has been born. And these guys have arrived. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they fell to the ground and worshipped him. These are guys from the east, yeah? These are guys who worship other gods. But these are guys also that God has chosen for the moment. And they come and worship him. And whoever God wants to use, he will use. These guys, astrologers from the east, great men of the east, diviners at that, are here and they've fallen down to worship. At the place... Where God is, all powers shall come down, and only God shall be magnified. When they reach Jesus, they forget all about the other gods. They bow down because this one who is here is mighty, mightier than the rest. This one here is worthy. This one here is the Lord above all others. And before him, they bow down and worship. Let me tell you, in the presence of God, there is no other God that can stand. In the presence of God, all other gods become like sand. They are down. They are nothing. They are brought to the ground. And these guys here, doesn't matter which gods they serve. When they reach the place where Jesus is, they bow down and they worship him. And they exalt him. And they praise him. And they are speaking great things. And they are worshiping and they are exalting the one that has been born. Then, opening their treasures, because they came with treasures, they presented him gifts of gold, gifts of frankincense, 
and gifts of man. These are gifts they present to him. When they're saying they open their treasures, it's not just, you know, those uh, photos that we have that depict the Bible. They may show uh, that it is just one piece of gold, then another piece of... No, this is... They, they are presenting... Remember, these guys, for the distance they've traveled, they're not just moving with a few things. They present it in good measure. Yeah? And they present it to the king that has been born. Of course, this is a representative of glory as the king that they're coming to see. They bring gifts that are good and they hand them over to them. And having been warned by God, after that process is done, in a dream, they receive a dream at night and God warns them. God is still giving a dream to these men of the east. They are not Israelites. God can use anybody that he desires to use. God can speak. Sometimes you hear some of our leaders speak and say, I had a dream and God told me, I'm like, eh, is this guy who does all these funny things in, in this nation speaking about God, that God spoke to him? Why not? Spoke to these guys, the Magi. He spoke to them and he told them about what is going to happen. He tells them in this dream, do not return to Herod. That is the message clear to them. Do not return to Herod. And the Magi left for their own country by another way. So it was clear to them in a dream that they are not supposed to go back to Herod to report what they've seen. They should take another way and go home. Now most kings reacted with hostility if they knew that there is something or somebody who might take their authority. And of course, they also knew about these astrological predictions that would be uh, not good on their end, like the one that this Magi had just received. So, you will find that it was definite, and they knew it also as the Magi, that what Herod wants to do, because this is speaking about him, that it's uh, what we saw is a representation of the fall of a leader. We should not get back to him. And most people in the ancient world would pay attention to dreams, special dreams such as this. They would pay attention and had uh, the ability to interpret them. Yeah, And these magi, of course, they had that with them, dream interpretation. They also had that as part of them. They knew what they had dreamt. They respected what they had dreamt. And they made an attempt to do exactly what they got in the dream. Now, they would, of course, uh, probably, most probably, take the northward journey from Bethlehem, and uh, that would take them to Jerusalem. But given the message they have, they have to go eastward uh, and go on another direction, not getting back to the place that Herod is. So they pick another route, and they do not get back to Jerusalem, and they get back home now. When they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. You are seeing so many dreams here that are happening. And said, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Such messages that come in dreams, and we also dream even today. You might even have had a dream last night. It's key for us to pay attention to dreams because 
Sometimes that's how God speaks. Now to Joseph in this case, he's being told, get the child and the mother. Go to Egypt because Herod is seeking to kill your child. And if he takes it for granted, then there's a problem. And we have to take dreams seriously. We have to take dreams seriously. We don't take it for granted. When you get a dream, take it serious and know what God is trying to tell you concerning it. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. He dreams at night. He gets up at night. He doesn't wait for the next moment. He doesn't say, okay, let me wait in the morning. No, that same night, he gets a dream. He gets up and he leaves for Egypt as God had told them. Now, where they are going, in Egypt, there is a very large community. We looked at that when we were still studying the history of Jews. Yeah, there are so many Jews that are living in Egypt at that period. And uh, perhaps even one third of Alexandria, that city in Egypt that was in northern Egypt, uh, was Jewish. It had Jews that were living there with a population that is estimated to be about a million Jews that were living in Egypt at that time. So it was one of the empire's largest cities and also it had so many Jews there. Alexandria, of course, uh, included a well-to-do Jewish element. They were schooled in Greek. Remember, Alexandria is a state or a, a city that was built by Alexander the Great, who was the Greek leader at that time. And uh, it is a city that has many people. It has many of the Jewish people that are living there. And uh, it, however much it was a great city, it didn't have these Jews as prominent people. Yeah, most of them were just doing agriculture. They were peasants. There were some of the poorest in the area as the Jews that were, st- that were staying there. Of course, um, other Jewish communities had also existed in Egypt, further south in the Elephantine region for centuries. And we see clearly that for the people who were staying back home in Jerusalem, they never used to really refer to these guys as Jews, as stone Jews, because they said, okay, you've gone away, you're staying in Egypt, you're not uh, as as committed as us who are here. So they never gave them a lot of attention because they thought that they were not faithful to God. Yet the people there in Alexandria actually had built a temple of sorts there. They they felt that they were committed. And we always found this issue with, with the people of Judah, the 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 Jews in Jerusalem, we had the problem they had with those they called the Samaritans, who were part of making the part of Israel, the ten lost tribes, they never regarded them as Jews. Now, even those who are away in Egypt, that is Alexandria, they do not regard them as staunch Jews. But now that is a battle that they had. We may not get into it. And uh, Joseph gets up, he starts to move, starts to travel. Of course, what is the easiest way of travel? It could have been the Nile. Use that as your uh, travel means. But uh, having the fact that the road to Egypt from the Palestine region wasn't in its best state, uh, by leaving at night, they move on as Joseph and his family, but the route that they took for departure may be quite impossible to trace. But the important thing here is they got up, listened, he saw the dream, he had the dream, and went ahead to do exactly what was in the dream, and that was to move and go. 
Now it is key that God, if God has given you a message, if God has spoken to you about something, if God has told you to do something, you do it immediately. You don't waste time. Joseph doesn't waste time. He does it immediately. When you linger, you're closer to trouble. If he waits longer, he's closer to trouble. He doesn't know if Herod will come the next minute. When God instructs you to do something, get up and do it. When God tells you or gives you an instruction about your life, do it. When God warns you about your life, listen and act immediately. These things that we say, okay, uh, let me give it some time. I'll get saved later. I'm still enjoying life. Uh, let me give it some time. I'll do that part of ministry later. If God has told you to do it, do it now. And do it with joy. And do it diligently. Yeah? Because that is where you get the result. Listening to God. So, Joseph goes and he remained there until the death of Herod. We looked at the fact that Herod died around 4 uh, AD. That is the period that uh, he dies. And here, of course, um, he re- they remain there as a family until Herod dies because Herod was the threat that they had. Herod was the threat that was lingering for Christ himself. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. And of course, Christ is going to be called out of his place. But he's gone to Egypt. He's staying in Egypt at this time. And this is still prophecy being given. Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. You remember the story of Israel, yeah? Uh, For the case of Israel. When they were staying there and they were slaves there, God called them out. They are regarded as his children. But also, his son, his own son that is born, who is Jesus, also staying in Egypt at this time, at one point would be called out and he would come and uh, return to his place of birth, to his homeland. But to run from the terror, to run from the evil, to run from the torture that is being shown by Herod, he has to leave Bethlehem and go to Egypt. Now, somebody might ask, why didn't God just deal with Herod? Why didn't he just maybe kill Herod? Why didn't Herod just die so that the child can remain there safe? There are some happenings where you need to know that it's time to run. However much that this is the son of God himself, they had to take him away. There are things that God does, the instructions that God does, and we need to know that whatever the fact is, though they had to run, does not mean that God was not powerful enough to uh, determine events and maybe deal with Herod once and for all. No. God can choose to do anything in the best way he sees fit. And for them here, Joseph and his family, they had to go to Egypt and wait until the death of Herod. We shall stop there today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your favor. We pray that you continue revealing your word to us. 
and teaching us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our study today. We believe that the world of God is alive and new each day. Open your heart and let God speak to you. You can also access our teachings through our Podbean channel or reach us through our website, bibleindepth.com.